What is up and welcome in to the Easy Smoke and the GM Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra McCann. I'm joined, as always, by my outstanding co-hosts. He's a Chicago Public League legend. He's a Simeon Wolverine legend. He's a Grandma State legend. He played second base for the Tigers back in the day. He was all swack as Brandon Williams, a.k.a. Coach Smoke. And we've got our NFL draft analyst from NBC Sports Chicago. You can catch his work at NBCSportsChicago.com and the My Teams app. And I'm sure he's going to say that he's a Madden champion or whatever. Uh-huh. He's Glenn Morgan. He's our GM. <laughs> Gentlemen, how you doing? Good to see you guys. Right, good to see you as well, man. Doing all right. How about yourself, B? Yes. Can't complain. Doing good. Can't complain, especially especially after uh, watching Saturday's preseason finale for the Bears. What? What? Be honest with you guys. Only watched the first half. I (laughs) thought we were up twenty-one-three, and I said, "You know what? I'm done. This is where I want to end this thing right here, (laughs) right here." But uh, good, good showing by uh, by both sides of the ball in that first half. I know. The uh the final score I found out was 21-20. So <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. It's preseason. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our third teamers let 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 some things happen, but they probably won't be on the roster. So, so exactly. not, not too worried about that. Uh Justin Fields, though, looks sharp in his uh Ooh. in his final dress rehearsal here. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um three touchdown passes in that first half. Um I, I I saw a lot from him. I was I was I was really impressed. What'd you guys think? I don't be. You know you want to say something. You know you're chomping at the bit, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I was I was definitely impressed. Uh, what? Oh shoot, my bad. Look, he was so impressed. He just he's just, <laughs> just shaking with impressiveness. Uh-oh. But yeah, I, I was definitely very impressed uh, with what I saw. Um, saw an extensive version of what we had been seeing: a lot of bootlegs, a couple screens, rollouts, getting out the pocket. Like accuracy was crazy. And biggest takeaway for me, which I'm probably it's probably a what. A hot take, maybe. I think we're gonna see a big year from Cole Komet this year. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the preseason, a lot of the things that I've saw has been his connection with Cole Komet versus his connection with Darnell Mooney, which I think we know they have a connection based right. off last season. But I think we've we're seeing that connection with him and Cole Komet grow mm-hmm. in year two. And so I'm I'm anxious to see when the regular season starts how that goes together, how he works Mooney and works Komet. Because I think Komet is going to be the very big, big positive to this offense if we do have a sustained offense this season. Smoke, I I, I took notes during the game, and oh. you hit on two of my uh, my big takeaways <laughs> right there: the accuracy. And Cole Komet, that, that those were, were two of the big things I saw as well. Um, one more thing, one more thing. Jim. Oh, go ahead, go for it. Go for it. One more thing. One more thing. Yeah. One, one thing that really impressed me: we driving, we get a was it a holding penalty? 
that made us go first and 20 mm-hmm. and two plays first down. I don't know the last time I saw something like that from the Bears <laughs> offense after a penalty that it was like it didn't even affect the rhythm of the offense. We were still in rhythm. I don't know when the last time I saw that. So that was one another thing that caught up to me. And the guy who got the hold, he ended up getting the touchdown that drive, which was crazy too. Yeah, so. yeah. He made, he made it up. <laughs> yeah. Talking about it was uh the other tight end, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Well, damn, what um I forget his name. Yeah, his name's forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> But he'll probably be that second tight end, you know, probably mm-hmm. Cole will probably be more of the, I mean, Cole's a better blocker, but the other guy's probably more of a receiver. So, but um, yeah, uh, actually something you just said, uh, Smoke, rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, something that was never, ever established when the last regime for Brand, or for uh, Justin, and even be quite honest, you know, I'm not going to throw, yeah, I'm not going to throw a lot of mm-hmm. flowers towards Mitch, but same thing, you know, outside of the probably the first half of Mitch's first season with uh, the former head coach, that was probably the most, you know, in rhythm. Not saying everything was in rhythm, but that's probably the, the best that the Bears offense looked under the former regime was that that first half of 2018 season. Um, but yeah, back to to rhythm, everything like Justin looks very comfortable and what's being asked of him and what he's able to see um, down the field. Um, he looks like he knows where everybody is. Um, and even the, even how he's blocking, like he knows where his blocking is breaking down and he's moving away from it. last year. A lot of times we saw him roll into sacks into it, you know, mm-hmm. here, or, or if he didn't roll into it, the play design had him going where <laughs> nobody was being blocked. What sticks mm-hmm. out in my mind is that sack TJ Watt had, where they actually roll to TJ Watt, like who rolls to TJ Watt's side? You roll away from him, not to him. And not only did they roll to him, there was no one there to block him. It was probably the easiest sack that TJ mm-hmm. had all year, you know. Um, and that's to mention that Cleveland Browns game last year, the regular season game, where he was just with nine sacks, he was just being assaulted. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was criminal what was happening. So even when the the, the the offense breaks down or the blocking breaks down, it looks like Justin knows where it's coming from and where to escape toward and um, and get rid of the ball. Now, he, I, I still think he holds on to it a little bit long, but, you know, he hasn't played 16 regular season games yet or 17 regular season games yet. So, um, but it looks improved. Um, his footwork looks much improved. Like he flips his hips out of, out of a lot of quarterbacks that I've seen play, even the established ones. He, especially when he rolls to his left, he is really quick at flipping his hips. He did this in, in college too. There's a lot of plays that Ohio State, when he was their quarterback, they had big plays with him rolling to his left. And you don't necessarily always see that with a, with a right throwing armed quarterback. Um, and when I say big plays, I mean, like, it's not like accidental. Like he flips his mm-hmm. hips. He gets the balls down downfield accurately. And I, out of his group of uh, quarterbacks that came out, uh, out with him, the 28, 2021 quarterbacks that were drafted, I think he throws the best deep ball out of all of them, most accurate Great. deep ball out of all of them. Um, so his right now, to everything you're saying and what we're talking about, this offense looks like it's accentuating the things he does well. It's accentuating his strengths. It's allowing him to play within himself and within his, you know, where to play to his to, to his strengths. 
And that's just going to increase his confidence and his comfortability and the team's comfortability and confidence. And this team, they're playing confidently right now. And yes, it's preseason. I understand all that. And you can make a lot of arguments why it may not be that significant. But I think what we're seeing and what we're saying is the Bears look competent. They look like world beaters, but they look competent off. They look like there's a game plan and there's an ability to tailor the plays to the player's strengths as opposed to trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a square, into a round hole, you know what I'm saying, or however that phrase goes. They're not forcing things. They're, they're trying to find things that work. And to your other point, two tight ends, you know, you're looking at tight ends get catch a lot of the passes. Well, who's who's a, a young quarterback's best friend? Yeah. Usually, usually a tight end, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, I've said it before, and I'll say it well, again. It, it we'll should see. be the left tackle, but, you know. <laughs> right. Should, in, terms of, in terms of throwing the ball, yeah, it should be a left tackle. It should be the, the, the guards, I've just, too. I've just, I've just messaged. <laughs> but um, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again, and I think we'll see it more, and I, I believe we'll see it more, because, A, Luke Getzey comes from Green Bay. Green Bay does what? Throws a lot, shit ton of screens. Shit ton of screens. Mm-hmm. And... Green Bay's running backs, they can all catch the ball. With the Bears, we've seen the Bears running backs, even the ones that were drafted, they can all catch the ball. And you're going to see Justin not have to worry about someone running, you know, a 20-yard route when his block is going to be blocked for 10 of those yards. You know, we, we're going to see screens. We're going to see him get rid of the ball. What does the screen do? Slows down the pass rush. What does the slow down the pass rush do? Give the player and the quarterback a little bit more time to pass the ball when you want to throw a crossing route or, you know, some deep dig or, or a comeback route or whatever. And with the running game, and Justin will be a part of that running game too, with the running game that allows for your play action to work. So it's it's basic football, <laughs> but you can build that foundation and then you can start layering those things after that. And that free previous regime didn't quite understand that. You know, he wanted yeah. to be at the letter, you know, Z before he got the ABCs down of what they need to do. Um, so yeah, and I, I see Justin in a good frame of mind right now, and that's healthy, and that's healthy for the team. So, and I don't care that they scored 21 points per se. I'm just glad to see them able to score, do a yeah. drive and score a touchdown, and I have to set up for a field goal, you know. And um, it was good to see Justin out there for a prolonged period of time as well. Um, and I don't think it gave anything away. I think you're just seeing, you know. Just, I'm not saying Justin's going to be Patrick Mahomes type kind of season, but I think you'll see Justin from that group of quarterbacks that came out with him. I think you'll see Justin and um, Lauren Sun- Sunshine. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. Mm-hmm. I say Sunshine, <laughs> but, but you'll see. <laughs> remember the Titans, but you'll see. I think Lawrence and Justin uh, will be the two that show the most improvement. Um, I, I think. Trey will show some improvement, but I think, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. I think we've already seen some regression just in the preseason from Mac Jones and the kid, the, the, the Jets kid, I, he, he can't stand the field. Not for the season, but for a little bit. For a while though, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he can't quite seem to get it right. You know, he can't stay on the field and he, he does a lot of the, you know, throwing the ball like you in college, but it's, they don't work in college in the pros. So, you know, it may be, and I think I saw somebody ask a question, would the Jets and the 49ers regret not to Justin Fields? Uh, I think the answer is yes, but it, it, it turns out to be seen. And speaking of the 49ers is... Well, wait, wait, no, I had, I had some, some yeah, Fields yeah, stuff. Come oh, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. 
I said before, <laughs> these these notes I took, you know, I took some copious notes, and and Smoke already talked about two of them. He talked about about Fields' accuracy. He talked about Cole Komet, uh, him making strides. Um, if Fields gets time, he will pick you apart. Yeah. Now I, that's that's my exact thoughts too. Now, let's be real. Cleveland that's didn't play time. everybody on Saturday mm-hmm. night. They did Chicago. Was, no, 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 no. I understand that, but I'm saying though, you know, just just we can settle down a little bit. You know, we're not going to the Super Bowl yet, mm-hmm. but you know, Miles Garrett didn't play. Jadavian Clowney didn't play. You know, so that Cleveland pass rush, and they did get through a couple of times. That Cleveland pass rush wasn't what it's going to be come week one in the regular season. True I guarantee that. you that. But when it did come. Or, or if it, if it, you know, if if, if the uh, the the Bears' offensive line held up, he found his he found his targets. He only he only had one incompletion um, in the in that half of football. Um, another thing I saw, and this goes back to you know Luke Getze and the the Green Bay influence in this offense. Did you notice on the touchdown pass to Komet, he rolled out uh, um, uh, Fields. Got into some, got 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 some pressure. Rolled out. Now he could have hit his check it, down. It, mm-hmm. it, it it looked it looked Aaron Rodgers ass. Could have could have hit could have hit the check down quick. He was he said, it, the, way he was, no, the way he was the way he was doing his hands. And, he, and, <laughs> and then he, he told he it told his guy, hey. it did. And he and he and it he did. hit Komet in the end zone wide open. Right. The Bears have been getting killed by Green Bay with that type of play for the last 30 years during during the Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers reign. And if you want to go back, we can go back to Don Mikowski, really. If you if you really want to want to go back um with Green Bay. I know Smoke, you probably don't remember Don Mikowski, but he was he was he was Green Bay's quarterback before Brett Favre. And and he got hurt and then Brett Favre came in and didn't 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 give it back. Hey, but hey, we can go back to Lynn Dickey and uh, and um, well, that's way before wide, my time and the wide receiver, and, and <laughs> Lynn Dickey and, and James Lofton. James Lofton, yeah, we, See, we can go back that far. <laughs> people talk about James Lofton in the Green Bay uniform. I he's a Buffalo Bill to me, no uh, way, he is that's, a Green Bay Packer. That's, that's when I remember it. I, oh I remember it was a Buffalo Bill, oh, but, Jesus, I'm old. but but. I'm just saying, I, <laughs> you can already see the Green Bay influence in this Bears offense. I think. Yes. My job was, you know, it's week three of, of of the preseason. No, but you're right. We it's significant. See, but, I, but I I noticed that, you know, um, from jump. So it was good. Good week by by all. And by the way, David Montgomery is is ready. <laughs> He's ready. Yeah. Yeah. That was the hole that knocked out one of his big runs. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one is big runs, and I'm like, okay, look, he look even a little faster this year. So but you know, so, David Montgomery is 97 on the top 100 this past top 100 NFL players of 2022. David Montgomery is uh, number was, 97. Was 97? Yeah, we got three. Who was, who was the third? I know, I know, Roquan was on that list at like he was in the 80s, right? I think so. Yeah, he, he and was, Roquan. There was a third bear. I heard uh, it had to be a uh, had to be a uh, Quinn, the lineman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, be, that's, right. That's, Quinn. Right. that's right. That's right. That yeah. makes sense because he had 18 and a half sacks last year. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So that's what I saw from, from this game. Uh, and one more thing before we before we move on to uh I got one more thing to the quarterback. Okay, okay. 
everybody's talking about the you know have, have you seen the over under for the bears wins this year yeah, it's like I know we're gonna five. go over predictions next week. It was six and a half. I thought it was a five now. Okay, so six and a half. Right. Yeah. You go looking over. at looking at this team. Uh-huh. Are they that much worse than they were last year? A team that won six games? No, I think they're better as a team at this point. Not not, I mean, they're not, like I said, they're not a playoff team, I don't think. No. But I think not. they are, I think they're better than last year's team, and it won't yes. surprise me if they win seven. I think seven is look, man. I said seven is a ceiling for me. I think five is a floor. So the six and a half over and under, I get. But if if they stay healthy enough and they catch teams at the right time, i.e., Frisco week one, um, you know, Green Bay week two, maybe because sometimes Green Bay gets off to a slow start. Um, you know, catch a team where a player or two is hurt or COVID something related and they're missing team that underestimates them, a team coming off of a short week. I mean, there are things along their Bears coming back off of a 10-day, you know, because they have a game on Thursday night against Washington. That means it's 10 days for them to rest, and then they catch a team that's maybe coming off of a short week. I mean, there, there are things I mean, that, look, that can happen. I know, I know, I know we're going to do that next, next week. But like you said, sneak and win week one. Mm-hmm. The Bears can go – Past week five with five wins. Well, with four wins. Four wins. Yeah. Four wins. Wow. You're talking Texans within Mm -hmm. those first five, first six games. You got you got the no, you got Atlanta later. Giants and and commanders. You got the Texans, the Giants, and the Commanders. Giants. That's what I was I was conflating the Giants with the Falcons. Right. The Giants. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. I think it's Washington home. And then, you, and then you got the Falcons and the Jets on our schedule. Mm-hmm. That's so. the Washington game has to be home. We haven't Washington hasn't come here in years. It feels like <laughs> it, it, it does feel like. Do we open up at home? Yeah, it's at home. Okay. It's at yeah. Home, but yeah. yeah that's that's a winnable yeah. game. Oh, Carson would yeah. scare you. No. Not at all. Chase Young may not be fully healthy yet. The defensive line mm-hmm. may not be as dominant as it was at one year. Yeah, I mean, I think both those teams are relatively equal. They have, they have a few more big-name wide receivers or wide receivers with a bit more accomplished. But defensively, their linebacking unit is unproven. Secondary is okay. I mean, it's, it's not like you're facing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense or the Green yeah. Bay Packer defense or the San Francisco 49er defense. If we could be San Francisco, then I think that's a possibility. I think we can also be a team like Washington. It's not – not out of the realm of possibility at all. Not at all. Smoke, you had you had another point. I, I I just had one more point with GM brought up when he was saying, you know, I know people will say it's the preseason and all those things and how we uh but how we see a difference in things with this new regime regime versus the last one. And what I will say to those people who would say that, well, you got to think during the last regime, our starting quarterback didn't even freaking play in the preseason. So, so, you know, to me, that's why it's a big deal. So it's a big deal. Like, does this mean he's going to be like this throughout the regular season? No, but it, uh, it gives us, it shows us what we could be and what to work, what we can work towards on the regular, like when with Mitch not playing at all in the regular season at all, 
it he didn't know or the team didn't know what necessarily could be i would guess to say i think the team knew we just didn't see because they you know they, yeah they, they get so, it's their practice it, but so i thought he was it, hiding it i, I, that, I was just about to say i was just about to say that so it appears like he was hiding him with the mindset of okay we're going to trick these guys come regular season like we can't put this guy out there and expose <laughs> what the little that he can do and a lot and, a, and the lots that he can't so well, not even that can you imagine had he come out there and let's say not even had a had a a, a significant a scoring drive in the preseason risky back in the yeah day. yeah I mean, you you can talk that out. That's year one. I'm just saying that that uh, that fear. I mean, the fans would have gone nuts. But if you talk it, if you if you manipulate it, you don't like. Hey, you know, you can massage that, especially like what B saying. Year one, we wouldn't. We'd be like, hey, he's learning a new system. Yeah. You know, but then you let it continue. Year one though. No, no, I'm we're t- saying I'm talking year one. Under, oh, you mean year uh, one under the regime? Under Nagy. Under Nagy, right. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm saying he did. I think he did play. He didn't have no preseason. He didn't play any no. preseason. He, he never played a preseason game. That Chief, remember that Chiefs game at home? He didn't play in that game? Oh, dude, he, he didn't play any preseason games. We didn't see him. Huh, okay. All right. We I, just thought, knew I, thought it, I thought it started at... Uh, I thought he played that Chiefs game, and then they sat him, and then they didn't play him at all in 2019. No, it, I remember both preseason. I could, be, I, remember, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I remember the next the next year. I'm thinking like, well, you, I know you, you know, you don't have to hide him now, and I, you know he needs to get the reps. I know they're gonna play him the next year, and then again they they didn't, and they came out against Green Bay, a hundredth year anniversary right. of the NFL, and lost and ten to three, stunk up the joint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the defensive back is like, yeah, we just, we just let Mitch play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Let's move on to uh, talk what's going on with, with the Bears' first opponent in week one, which will be the San Francisco 49ers. And they have just locked up Jimmy Garoppolo for uh, for another season. One more year here. Great which move. Is, which is this season. Uh, they're giving them six and a half million for the season, and incentives can take it up to sixteen million. Great move. Why is that? Well, you need two quarterbacks in today's NFL. Uh, Garoppolo basically was a missed interception away from taking the 49ers back to the Super Bowl. Uh, he was a missed throw an errant, slightly overthrown pass from winning a Super Bowl against the Chiefs several years ago. Their winning percentage under Garoppolo is significantly Better than different without. than without him. And clearly, if the future of the franchise is at a point right now to where you can't get any other backup, like some Trevor Simeon type dude to back him up, uh, and you're going back to the well to get Garoppolo, that's clearly an indication that the young man is still very raw and it's i'm not not knocking trey at all i think he has a world of talent but let's be real the guy played one year of college football and then one game the following year of college football at the fcs level and he played a few games as an nfl player um there's a lot of nuance playing quarterback that he's just not had been exposed to you know he needs the experience so 
this team is ready to win now, San Francisco, and hell will come to be paid at a high price for both Lynch and Shanahan if their handpicked future of the franchise can't do diddly squat and this team waste a, waste a year and Debo Samuel on the money they're paying him and you ain't ready to go to the Super Bowl. So Garoppolo allows Lance to fail. Figure it out. Figure it out or fail, but fail with grace. And then have Garoppolo give him enough time to get more healthy with his arm and shoulder so that when October rolls around and they really need him to step in, he can do so. He doesn't have to learn the offense as opposed to a different backup quarterback coming in. And they can continue being the 49ers that we've seen two of the last four years. What was the rush for Lance here? That's what I don't get. E-G-O. Who's? The brain trust. So all of them. So, I mean, Shan- the, the pressure is more on Shanahan, but yeah, these these guys. Look, man, you 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 moved up to take the mm-hmm. third pick overall, and you chose this guy. You could have took Mac Jones. Not that I think that would have been a great move, but you know, Mac Jones last year took the Patriots to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You could have been the most ready, arguably, and you could have taken. Justin Our quarterback, Fields. Justin Fields, who I think probably all things considered um, is just one A, one B with talent yeah. and uh, yes. the group. Yes, him and Lawrence. Him and Lawrence to me were the top two. And it I was think no, were... it was no debate in that until it came close to draft. Yeah, I mean, seriously, going into that season, they were one A, and to be quite honest, and I've said it before, with uh, Justin Fields, he's gone up head to head against. Uh, Sunshine twice, uh, three times. Elite 11 competition where he won and two games, two college games where he could have won the other one if Alave and he had matched up one zig, one zag. But if they make that catch, they beat Clemson back-to-back years and they beat the shit out of him, you know, the second time he faced him after he got hurt. So to me, and, and, and there's nothing his college career says he shouldn't have been a top five pick. Nothing. The guy's the touchdown interception ratio was like seven to one. He won back-to-back. He never lost a Big Ten game. And the Big Ten Conference is arguably the second-best conference right behind the SEC, and it's not like there's a great big distance between those two conferences. There really isn't. When you as, talk, a when you go talk, as a whole. As you a talk whole. Bottom, yeah. 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 So, you know, the cat who who won two Big Ten titles, and he didn't start off at Ohio State. You know, he transferred there from Georgia. So here's a guy who had to come to a new team, get acclimated, them get acclimated to him, him be accepted. He comes in and takes him to two Big Ten titles, never loses a Big Ten game, and somehow he's a shit-ass quarterback that falls out of the top ten. I think we know what some of that had to do with. Meanwhile, some dude, and again, it's not his fault, but some dude who gets overhyped from BYU who didn't play nobody. You know, he's 33, the three interceptions and everything. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, the one great team I saw him play, they lost. Yeah, he looked, looked bad. Yeah, he looked very average. And I'm not going to bash him either. I thought he was going to be our quarterback. I thought he was the one going to be at 12. (laughs) He probably should have been the one, to be quite honest with you. He probably should have. I'm perfectly happy with who who we got. But I definitely was singing his praises because I just knew it was no way in hell Justin Fields was dropping to us. I was making myself like – the guy. Sometimes they don't have the affection for the complexion, you know. I just yeah. put that out Understood. there. Um, well, yeah. you you should Thanks. be in somebody's front office because uh, 
Because you called that one back then. I remember. I remember that. But I, I think it'll be – I think the story going into that game will be both quarterbacks. You know, they're second-year guys, and where where are they and how reflective of their team's fortunes uh, are going to be largely due in part to how both of these guys perform. And I, I believe we'll see Justin perform better than Trey. I think Trey will have some nice moments. But I think the Bears – you know, the Bears practice against a very athletic quarterback. So it's not like they're seeing something that they haven't seen every day. You know, I'm not saying Frisco. Frisco obviously has Bosa on one end and they have a great defense. So it's not like it's going to be easy. I mean, they walk it apart. But what I'm saying is I, I think Justin's Justin looks to be a little bit further along than Trey, you know, and, and a lot of that's because Justin played more football games. Let's just be honest. He played, he, he had more of a thorough collegiate experience uh, than Trey, although Trey never lost a college game. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> and I mean, quite frankly, it says something about what the 49. I mean, it's been reports all season, all training camp into preseason of Trey Storm mechanics and things and arm fatigue has been something that came up. Like those have been reports and I, I, like I said, I always say I watch a lot of these shows and I've seen guys have major debates on oh, Jimmy Garoppolo ain't this, ain't that. Like, come on, man. Wins do matter at the quarterback position. Yeah. It, it matters. Like, you're not, you're not just continuously. The records are crazy with him on the field versus him off. So that, that says something. And Yep. So to that point, does it say something about Trubisky then? Because he had a winning record here in Chicago. I have a counter to that, but I'm asking you, since wins do matter, and he had a winning record here. Nope. <laughs> well, not in his case. Okay. I agree. Because where the playoff wins. Well, he got to the playoffs, though. Got there, but didn't win any. Didn't win one. Well, Lamar Jackson didn't win a, but a playoff game, one playoff game. He got yeah. there a couple of times and lost. Lamar and you, Jackson, I know we're not – I don't know Lamar Jackson was the MVP. Jackson's MVP. I understand, it's, but I'm it's, saying it's, we're, it's, we're talking wins. It, no, you're right. You're right. I get it. I get it. But Defense. I, my, my answer – and I agree with well, you. Well, no, I, I, give, I definitely believe the defense is the catalyst to the 49ers. No, no, I'm talking about for Trubisky. I, oh, I, yeah. I, think, I think the reason why we look at his wins, and to me, they're a little inflated because of how great that defense was, as but, opposed to your point with Jimmy Garoppolo, a big reason why. Because was we see when they when he's not there, we see how bad they are. Yeah, and yes. my and and granted, the 49ers are defensive defense first, more so team, and and the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo's wins, and I'm not, I can exclude the playoffs. The difference between Jimmy Garoppolo's wins versus Mitch Trubisky wins, Mitch looked awful in a lot of those wins. It was it wasn't even it yeah. wasn't even a debate. Like Jimmy looked like a comparable quarterback, a franchise quarterback, a guy who can not a top tier quarterback, but a middle of the pack, a guy that should be starting for one of thirty. What is it? Thirty. Thirty-two. 32 teams. Yeah, he looked like a legit top 15 yeah. quarterback. Yeah, you know, he at least looked the part. Mm -hmm. Like, did, did he make the flashy plays? No. 
Like, not always. You know, definitely not on a consistent basis. Up but he make winning guys. plays. He made some he winning made plays. Winning it. Winning plays. You know, he's he's just that definition of that separates the elite from the good. He's good. Mitch was that separation from the okay to just stink. <laughs> you know, like there's a difference, you know, and I mean, so that's that's how I looked at it. And it's, it's just something to be said. There's something to be said about this. Like they finally came. I'm and I'm not a 49ers fan, but I'm like, it's like I'm glad they came to their senses and realized. Like this is a perfect opportunity, like you say, to save your own ass, yes, because it's a C, it's a because you you let you let that guy go because you're just so sure about a rookie who, oh well, second year quarterback who's really playing as a rookie who hasn't proven anything for you at no point in his career, like, and you're gonna just let a guy who. Got you to a Super Bowl, and like you said, was interception away. That's that's a major drop, especially if this guy does not at least get you to the playoffs. Right. I mean, think about it, bro. And you in a and you in a division with the Rams, and the Card and the Cardinals not going anywhere. Oh, you know, like what if Garoppolo goes to Seattle? You know, like it. You know, if they if they let him, if they if the 49ers really they were trying let to him save go. money, right? They just let him yeah. go and he's out there. What if he goes to Seattle? Revenge much? <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thing, think about it. Garoppolo has beaten Aaron Rodgers twice. Hmm. Twice. <laughs> twice. You're Aaron Rodgers, and you have to admit you lost to Jimmy Garoppolo twice. And the last time at home where you couldn't generate offense as an MVP, you couldn't generate offense, but Garoppolo. Did enough to win, and then they almost beat the Rams on the road. I mean, come on, what's man. Undefe- what's undefeated versus the Rams until that game? Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. He was six and zero versus them. It's, come on, man, and you just gonna let that hang because you had to yeah. beat them in the finale to get in the playoffs. That's right, they did. <laughs> so, so yeah, dude. I, I'll, I'll say this: it, it's a CYA moment mo- moment for the, that brain trust. But I will give them kudos for not allowing their ego to prevent them from being successful as an organization, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Bears, what we've seen the former regime, particularly the head coach, do egomaniacal things that prevented him, his team from being the best they could be. The main thing, that adjusting your offense to your talent. I didn't just hard hit it. I wasn't brought here to run the I formation. <laughs> right. But you know, heaven forbid when it actually ran it, it worked, you know. <laughs> just think he, he actually must committed have been to so it. mad because <laughs> he was doing it just to just to prove a point. Yeah, ego. And it worked. And it worked against him for the team. <laughs> <laughs> but that but that's ego. And the 49ers, hey, to their credit, they found a way to salvage enough dignity, I guess. And and Jimmy you know, Jimmy, it, it works for Jimmy because he can get healthy. And Jimmy doesn't have to play it now. Mm-hmm. And it still works to his benefit. He'll get paid. He'll be healthy. And some other team would be like, oh, good. Let's wear and tear. Uh, we can use you because we know that uh, both the quarterbacks in Seattle suck or whatever the case might be. And he'll be a free agent. And he doesn't have to worry about it. The 49ers save some money 
you know, and save their seeds. So, I, you know, hey, it'll be interesting. But all that to say, like I said before, when you're the Bears, if you catch a team at the right time, Jimmy is not playing week one. Mm-hmm. That's going to be Trey Lance. They're going to they're gonna see what happens. Because if, you, if you're Trey Lance and you're the 49ers, then you can't beat the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give him a full opportunity. You got to give Trey a full game to try. Unless it's just like, I, I don't know where Jimmy's arm is, but unless it's just like close and Trey either gets hurt or he just threw like his seventh interception in the game. Yeah. Trey, Trey's going to play the entire game. I, I think <laughs> as early as a must-win game could ever be, Week one is a must-win game for Four. Trey Lance. Yeah. For Trey Lance. Yeah. It's a must-win game. I agree. You, it's so many critics out there saying this Bears team is terrible. Garbage. It's a must-win game. If he lose that week one game, you cannot blame it on him being young. Anything. Because these are two, I'm not going to say identical, teams but kind of built the same way second year quarterbacks defense is the better side of the ball for both teams granted 39ers defense is better than Oz every aspect of what makes those teams similar the 49ers are better I I don't know the 49ers defense is all that much better I mean they've got an edge rusher we do they got an inside linebacker we do and I'd say our secondary maybe not as experienced, but I think as athletically talented, I think you're right in terms of comparisons. There's a lot of things that are very comparable. Now their coaching staff is a bit more proven and they've had more success. And that's where the separation becomes more of a greater disparity. But I think you're right in that right now, because the bears should have beat them last year. Yeah. You know, right now, and they have a few more big names in terms of, you know, the tight end and the receiver. And like I say, a bit more accomplished, but as a team collectively and where they're at it's week one, it's pretty comparable. And here's and to your point. If they can't, they be the 49ers can't beat the bears and Trey Lance struggles mightily. This is the only team you've been preparing for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew who your opponent was months ago and you're preparing for your first game against this team. And if you cannot win and you've seen this quarterback before, cause you played against fields. It's not like you don't have film on them. So if you can't win this game, you come across looking bad or badly in a loss or even bad in a win, even even a bad win was going to put up a lot of red flags. So I think you're right. He needs to win and it needs to look like a legit win. It's a must win game. Well, I think looking at their schedule, they're going to give him the month of September Mm -hmm. because he's still he's still a first round pick, early first round pick. I agree, but the pressure mounts if you they've lose got the first the, game. Right. They've got the Bears out the gate. They got Seattle going to uh oh, that's back to going back to them back to right. right. <laughs> you definitely can't lose to them. <laughs> Where are they? Santa Clara? Yeah, Santa Clara. <laughs> and then they, they go to Denver week three, Sunday night. Sunday night game at Denver. That's a now, loss. If you come out be, of if you come out of there two on one, realistically. Well, here's, but here's the deal, though. You come out of there 0-3, oh, and three, three. 1-2. and two. <laughs> I think he's he's out because you got the Rams on Monday night coming week four. Jimmy Jimmy did a rescue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think they give them, they give them the month of September. And see, <laughs> see, where, see where they are after that. Hey, let's move on college, college football, guys. And uh, 
Week I know zero. Glenn, Glenn was Glenn was really <laughs> anxious to talk about those fighting the line eye and and the Wildcats <laughs> of Northwestern Rower. I L L and go cats. I, I watched one minute of each game. Oh man, brutal. <laughs> I didn't even know they played. Oh my god, you guys are killing me. I mean, I didn't, oh, I didn't even know they played to GM told us. It's, it's, it's tough when they named the first week week zero. It's like, what, what does that even mean? Week zero? Week zero. Doesn't matter because it's not that many teams playing. True. Yeah, go go out. We're, we're going to get you to national stage. <laughs> right. Yeah, have at it. But hey, I mean, I think to a college, I don't want to say college football is credit like college football did anything, but I think college football won week zero um, because of some of those games. I mean, you know, you have a game overseas, the Northwestern Nebraska game in, in Ireland. And I, I like how Northwestern changed the color in their, in the, in their logo in the end. Look to, cool. To fit. It did. It did look pretty cool. They made the Irish little flag logo yeah. in there, you yeah. know, the, the, the blend of the colors. And they do that when they put the stars and stripes in there uh, during certain times as well. But uh, Northwestern, it looked like a typical Pat Fitzgerald team, guys. You know, conservative, uh, but disciplined. Uh, run game, play action off the run. Solid play defense. Solid defense. Nothing, you know, nothing too crazy. No crazy blitzes. You know, keep everything in front of you and let the team beat themselves. And if anybody's been following college football, you know that Scott Frost, who's the head coach for the Cornhuskers, a former Husker himself, was a quarterback back in the day. Uh, Scott Frost's Nebraska Cornhuskers are the preeminent team in beating themselves. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why you can't you can't hire uh, alums. Guys, well, not not just alums though. Uh, uh, legends, legendary alums. Yeah, because tough uh, to Scott get rid Frost of. is a is a he's a Heisman Trophy winner, right? I or a national championship. National right? championship. Yeah, maybe not the Heisman. Nah, yeah. I think he. I think he won. I think he did win a national Heisman. I, I think he won the Heisman. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Think they feel hard? Feel it's hard to get rid of? Well, not now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not not now. But loss. I mean, man, I mean, oh, but, but leading up to this, yeah, is he is is he still gonna be loved there now? No, not not he he he. There was questions whether he's gonna be Lane Kiffin, where he wasn't allowed to come back home on the flight, like, like USC did Lane <laughs> Kiffin. Back in the day, but uh, that's a long, it's a longer flight from Ireland yeah. than it is from the continental United States. Um, but that's that was a bad loss. And, and for anybody who didn't watch the game, for those of you who were listening, the bad losses, uh, Nebraska was up 11 in the third quarter, just scored, and then they decided to do an onside kick that they did not recover. Wow. <laughs> and it's like, why are you doing that in the third quarter when you have a double digit lead? And on top of that, and that's not the reason why they lost the game because there's still a lot of game left to be played and you have a double-digit lead. But they threw two interceptions in the second half. The thing that really stuck out the most, it looked as though Nebraska didn't make any adjustments after halftime, and the Wildcats did. And it looked like Scott Frost got out coach, which he did. Um, and, you know, Northwestern looked better than people expected. They were, you know, in the, like keep in mind, Nebraska beat the crap out of Northwestern last year. So a lot of people thought this was like a layup for Nebraska and that Nebraska was going to be the odds on favorite to win the big 10 West. Hey, the games are played out in the field, not on paper. And, you know, cats, kudos to them, Illinois. I'm switching gears right quick, Illinois. Um, and then again, this is where coaching makes a difference guys. Brett Berlima knows how to put together a team. He knows how to coach a team. He knows how to, 
get the offensive linemen and they know how to block and they know how to run well. And if I was a running back coming out of high school and I was an Illinois running back and I wanted my folks to be able to come see me, I would be really, you could convince me to go to Illinois without a problem because Brett Belima knows how to put together an offensive line and an offensive system that features a running back. And it looked really great. Illinois looked good. And that running back, uh, uh, I think his name is Brown's his last name, did such a fantastic job. Chase he Brown. Can, yeah, and he can catch the ball as well. And it's like he is a legit weapon. And that play action was just killing killing Wyoming. And now Wyoming is not the greatest team in the world, don't get me wrong. It's not like they beat hey, Michigan. don't talk about Terry Cortez. <laughs> Terry Cortez Cowboys. <laughs> but, but seriously, it, it was a good win because they won convincingly. And you see growth in Illinois' program. And you see where there's confidence and there's a plan and everything seems to be working toward this program getting better and better year to year. Hopefully that the Illini can keep Malima. Hopefully they can keep him for like at least 70 years. And if you, if you do that, I think you'll see Illinois challenging for a big 10 West championship, even with the inclusion of USC and UCLA down the line, I think Illinois and the Malima can, can be that type of team. I think he's here. Yeah. He's going to be here longer than that. I hope so. I mean, you never know these days, you know, money talks. He and this, no, he ain't going nowhere else. This is, this is. I, again, so raw. I yeah. hope you're right. He, are, he mean, already did the SEC thing. True. And, and look at the, the, the deal that the big 10 signed going true. forward. That's going to mean more money for, uh, for coaches. I don't know if you noticed the SEC, sometimes coaches switch teams within the conference. So that has happened in the past. And, you know, if, if UCLA or USC struggles, I wouldn't say USC so much, but, you know, let's say Iowa. Wait, wait, or, wait, wait. Or, he might have to worry about the, the, the Nebraska job. Or the Nebraska job. And they might be willing to pay more. And there's a little more prestige, even to this day, over Nebraska football historically compared to Illinois. But, you know, that's down the line. Right now, uh, both Illinois teams are undefeated <laughs> in a Big Ten play, in a Big Ten, and Northwestern has a Big Ten to win. Now, later on this week, uh, it's a short turnaround week for Illinois. They play Indiana coming up, and I, I like to see the line now go 2-0 and and get a nice, you know, Big Ten win under, under their belt as well. Uh, as nice as those stories were, I what I found, and I know you guys found real interesting, was uh, having a historical, having an HBCU school, play one of the big boys from the ACC in North Carolina and uh, FAMU look they they represented well and unfortunately they were down a third of a team <laughs> several guys had it were ineligible and I know you want to get to that as but watching them play I was very impressed with how they were not daunted by playing North Carolina at all uh, I really think that situation being different they could have had a real good chance to win that game well, they they were missing um, their top player Isaiah Land, who is a uh, All American linebacker, FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, and um, is up for the uh, Butkus Award this year. Mm, nice. Um, so and he won the um, Buchanan Buchanan Award, yeah, right? Yeah. Which, for those of you who don't know, Buchanan was HBCU linebacker from um, I forget which college. I know he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was Went to ground, okay. Yeah. I know he played for the Chiefs and star for that Super Bowl team, the Chiefs that won the Super Bowl four. So just to, just to say how significant a player that, that yeah. land is. Um, and they, yeah, they they were missing a bunch of starters. Um, 
and now let me let me start. I'll, I'll start by saying uh, I have a lot of respect for Florida A and M, the school, their their football program. When I was in school, you know, uh, I went to Hampton, and you know, we won a few. We won we won two MEAC titles while I was there. Uh, right after I left, we won. I think we went we won three in a row uh, at one point as well. But needless to say. Every year that MEAC title came through that school in Tallahassee. You had, to, you had to beat them in order in order to claim that title. Um, and so it was it was disappointing uh, to find out that the the night before uh, the big game against North Carolina that twenty players are out uh, due to whether it was academic ineligibility reasons or transfer reasons now that tells me you, you're talking about like the day before how did how do you not know that well in advance of this right yeah so that tells me there's some staffing issues going on there when it when it comes to compliance mm-hmm. that that can't happen that, and it's that, not because these guys are failing their classes it's that some of them didn't didn't know that they were wasn't made short. aware right they were right. short hours right. so you talk about compliance you're talking about uh academic advisors mm-hmm. um with with within the the athletic department so um before you know before the game the night before the game florida and those players were talking about not playing against unc because they felt that they were going to be undermanned they had seven eligible offensive linemen for that game which means that all of them had to play. Two, yeah, yeah. Two guys, two guys get hurt. That's gotta pull a D. What you gonna do? Yeah. Not just that, but keep in mind it's the first game of the season. How how where is everyone standing? Uh, how right, yeah. how ready are yeah. you? Yeah, you know how game just, ready are you? Not how that fatigue can set in a lot in, in mm-hmm. a night, but it's you know it's still warm out. So you you know dehydration. I don't know. Well, they, those are those are Florida boys, so you know they might they 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 might be more ready than 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 some others. But but no, you bring up a you bring up a serious point there though. No doubt about it. They're, they're playing Power Five school. <laughs> Who's leaning on? Yeah, who they playing? Right, right, right. So uh, they did end up playing. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a hard fought game. They lost 56, 24, but it was a game in the first half. Mm-hmm. All right. So on Monday, Florida A&M's players wrote a letter to the president of the university, um, um, giving their disappointment in, um, uh, the school's administration, the athletic department, uh, and the lack of resources, um, that are uh, that are given to the athletes and in particular, obviously the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about compliance, which every school should have, but for whatever reason, you know, FAMU's compliance department didn't, you know, they basically weren't doing their job because they didn't find, like I said, you didn't find out about these things until the day before the game. Uh, they talk about there's only one academic advisor for the entire athletic department on staff there right now so you're talking about upwards of 100 football players right. I mean, wait, 80, wait, 89 wait. 89 players signed this letter uh i'm sure with with uh with freshmen i know we we had 100 players uh when i was in school uh you're talking about basketball right baseball, uh, track. baseball yeah track women's sports everything 
there's one academic advisor. That that's a bad. lot of work. That's crazy for one person. A lot, um, and that's and that's an issue that that's going on in far too many HBCUs right now. Even my, I, I was talking to um, uh, one of our alumni at Hampton, who's plugged into that athletic department there last week, and we were we were talking about this same subject. Um, how you know staffing wise, we're we're uh, our athletic department is undermanned. Well, I'm not putting putting too much out there, <laughs> but uh, and luckily, well, wait, 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 wait. Our first game's not until this Saturday, so <laughs> maybe maybe something may come out. I don't know, but you know, needless to say, you know, we we we're having staffing issues when it comes to to the same stuff. So this is something that you know we talk about kids going to HBCUs and trying to get them there. Well, the resources need to be given to these uh, to to these athletic departments as well in order to motivate kids to you know to go there. You know they they you know kids see these these stories in the uh, in the press right here. You know talking about FAMU, we got to do better. And that like I said, it's HBCU wide. You know every you know a lot of schools are going through. I don't know if you know. Uh, if Grambling's going through it or Southern, I don't, I don't know, but I, I can, I can talk from my school. I'm, and the same I'm not sure, but I can say from, from my personal experience, I don't think I talked to anyone in the athletic department about my, really, like about my classes or anything of that nature. That Never? Was all on you. I, outside of my coach. I would talk to whatever like major I was in. Uh-huh. That advisor. But you didn't have your own academic I, advisor. I, if I did, I didn't know who they were. Dude, even at Governor State, I had an academic advisor. <laughs> and I wouldn't well, no, he's saying no, he said he did like, have one, but it wasn't I had one, but it wasn't in the athletic. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. You should you should have one in the athletic realm because of what's being asked of you, because your time is being taken away from your studies to fulfill part of an agreement with the university mm-hmm. and you know yourself and and it's not just the advising part uh, from what i gather it's also things in terms of housing financial and, aid and in terms of financial aid because some of these guys are like okay i take a job but it's hard for me to work a job because of the demands of school and the athletic sports so i'm not really getting any kind of money and if i can't eat if i'm not able to maintain my weight especially for a sport like football where you know maintaining your 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 weight it helps you maintain the integrity of your strength to be able to compete for an entire season and not just that but just the stress that comes with all of that on top of it and now the school fails you even more so so that you face a situation like fam you face against north carolina this past week where you're being asked to compete and not just you're already going in, you know, I don't want to say under man, but you're under kind of man. Going, mm-hmm. well, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying even if you had all your full complement of players, you're still facing an opponent that is a superior opponent. Potentially. I mean, you know, all things being said, they have more of the advantages, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the, 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 the tier quality of, of, of the athletes and the resources of, of said school and you're playing on the road and like you're playing at home. You know, so if you know if the best part of your game is that your band is better than the other band, you know, <laughs> you really need to look. You're like, hey, you know, can you help us out a little bit? You know, well, yeah. HBCU uh, alums may differ. Not, not, not necessarily this one. I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. the band wins. Everybody wins. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. There is money with that. So, <laughs> but I mean, you know, that, that that's not helping the kid getting his head beat in <laughs> by the All American across from him, or you know, the, the five star athlete, the four star athletes across from them. So that that's that's it's it's messed up because although you know it was, I think it was like a four hundred thousand dollar payday, give or take yeah, four hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, so that that's nice, but at what cost and. How much does the athletic department, specifically the football uh, team, how much do they see of that, and how much is that going to help now? <laughs> you know. Well, also you look at you look at in the, in the case of Isaiah Land, that was a chance for him to play a Division One opponent right there. So yeah. this is going to you know affect his draft stock. Yeah, he could have been Khalil Mack. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, real talk, real talk. So that that's that's got to get corrected quick. Yes. Yeah, that's I wonder what type of what was the coach doing? Probably all he can. Yeah, like that's my kind of my thoughts. Like, because I know, so just speaking on my own situation. So I was I was an education major while at Grambling. I couldn't pass the practice exam. And in order for me to advance in my classes I had to pass that test and so I wasted a semester trying to pass that test taking classes that I didn't need because of course I had to be eligible for baseball but I didn't take classes I need so then when it came to my coach he told me like look you're on the verge of being ineligible because you're not on track to graduate within your major he like you can either continue to try to pass that test and you know get in those classes or you can change your major to be on pace to graduate me i want to play baseball i'm forget that major change my major so i can play you know and so that was my thing so like my coach he knew early on so that we didn't so that we didn't face that situation so it's like what excuse me what onus does that go to like the coaching staff to be on that also knowing knowing that you have those issues within your your institution i get it it's not fair that you know you have to do that but you are the head coach so that, no, that's yeah. that's that is a point, and now you know. You, you, I look back. I do remember. Um, I only I only played my freshman year, but I remember you had to have a percentage, uh, uh, a certain uh, percentage of your um, of your major completed mm-hmm. by your junior year. So it had to yep. be. It was something like sixty percent of your mm-hmm. uh, of your. Uh, um, require courses completed mm-hmm. by a certain point, and I think by the time you were going to your senior year, it was like seventy five percent. There was there was a percentage, maybe it was fifty, and then yeah, that, that would make sense. Fifty, and then seventy five going into your senior year, mm-hmm. uh, you had to have completed. Now I always ask the question: How the hell does every every senior in the country have seventy five percent of their major completed? Because <laughs> that that you know can't be yeah. KB. And how is Florida AM the only school in the country that this is happening to? I 
That was another. That's another thing. Like it's not a conference game. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 get, I, I just, know. I just find that interesting. UNC was scared and blew the whistle. That's what it was. Had had beat them with all them people, knowing them guys and girls would have been a problem. Just like they did a little, just like they did in the little little league world series back when the brothers from Illinois man out there competing. They 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 tricked on them and took the championship away. (laughs) But yeah, but just that that's got to that's that's that definitely has to be corrected. So that was sad to see. But they hey they played they played their hearts out. So you got to got to give it to the team. And uh, I guess the school and the SWAC are um, are looking to get this corrected by the NCAA. So hopefully they figure it out by their next game, which they play Jackson State mm-hmm. on that, Saturday. <laughs> that article ended by what? It, what it say? <laughs> that the end of the article made me laugh because I'm like, I knew this this article wouldn't end without something of this nature being said. Now, do you think a school like North Carolina or Jackson State have to deal with these issues? <laughs> I knew, I just knew it would not end without, just being honest, the, the conference is jealous of, of what Jackson State got going on. There's jealousy but there. Isn't it, isn't it, um, well, isn't it helping a, pretty- a little bit? Yeah, because family yes, has some pretty is. significant transfers, I think. Yes, it's helping. But even still, you know how it go. People, it's jealousy there. Well, fam, fam, fam always had 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 some, some transfers coming in all yeah. the time. That's true. All the time. So, yeah, found that interesting. Um, and now to the the sad ending of a season. The, the white sucks. <laughs> I spelled W S U X. Now, mathematically, my white socks are still in the race. They're only five back with 34 to play, mm-hmm. which is doable, especially when the Cleveland Guardians, the, the, the Cleveland baseball team, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> when they lose three out of four in a weekend that you get swept. <laughs> yeah, you got a shot. Keep shining. Yeah, you get you got it. You got a shot. You got a shot. But uh I don't see how how they can they can uh they can make a run. This is just it's it's an uninspired baseball team, man. Well, I think that's a that's not inaccurate. It may be a little harsh in the sense that ask the question, why are they playing so seemingly uninspired? And not to make excuses. But you can point to several reasons. Injuries have a lot to do with it. And, and the, 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 the repeat injuries uh, to key players, um, it, it, it's got to be taxing mentally and emotionally. Uh, it seems like at this point now, every week, at least three guys are getting hurt, minimal. Um, and that's, that's got to wear you mentally over the course of a, a long season, of, or a really long season like baseball or, or uh, hockey and basketball where those seasons just last months upon months. Uh, the other thing is, I think the manager, sometimes you take on your, your, your personality of your, of your manager or your your coach. I agree. I (laughs) I think Tony, like you had two shots at this, you know, you were gifted a very talented team and they played worse than they did the year before. 
Um, but the other thing is sometimes you are who you are in this entire season. This team has been a 500 team at this. I, 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 right now I can pretty much tell you the record is going to be 81 and 81. It's just, they'll win five in a row, lose four, win two, lose three, win one, lose three, win two, <laughs> you know, and somehow they find themselves right back at 500 and that's who they've been all year. So yeah, I, you know, unless 500 gets you into the playoffs, they're not going to make it this year. So it has been very disappointing because you've wasted, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago or a couple of episodes ago, you're wasting still in CESA season. You've wasted, you know, uh, Hendrix's season and um, you've wasted the fans money, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there's a couple of seasons, a couple of guys have some really standout seasons that just, you know, it's not even going to make a difference because of, you know, just the lack of proactivity. This seems this team doesn't seem to be proactive. And I guess that's a nice way of saying what you said is, but it just seems like they're very reactive and not in an aggressive reaction way. It's more of a passive. There's, there's a lot of passivity to this team, it seems. Like they're letting things happen to them and they're not seeming to find a way to attack those things so that they get the better of it it seems to always get the better of them and just when we thought they were getting out of it you know just like the bad godfather three movie just when you think you're getting out of it they pull you right back down with them pull me back in, <laughs> pull me back in. so uh, so yeah man I'm, I'm with you just 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 get your nails together i got a couple of nails in my teeth and i got my hammer and i'm going around the edge of this make-believe mm-hmm. coffin here <laughs> just hammering in man because nothing nothing this entire nothing from april to now says that this team is going to pull out of this nosedive of a season well, here's a silver lining all right now i know they've lost what they've lost nine of their last 11 <laughs> i'm saying you said there's a silver lining there's a silver lining here all right <laughs> they won two that that's your silver lining they didn't lose they all one two <laughs> They have remaining. They've got three against Kansas City. Now I know that they've lost four of the last five to the Royals. <laughs> Kansas City whooping their ass, like okay. <laughs> but it's still Kansas City. Uh-huh. They've got three against Kansas City. They've got a whopping nine against the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. All right, who there are? They're three in backup of the Twins. All right. They've got the last place Oakland A's for four. Well, that's a partial silver lining. The bad news is they're in Oakland, and historically the White Sox play awful in Oakland. But it's four against a last place team. They've got the Colorado Rockies. Again? Yeah, they've got two against the Rockies at home. They lost to the Rockies. All right. They've got <laughs> six remaining against the Detroit Tigers, who actually they've played pretty well against this season. Can we pitch Dylan Cease every game against the Tigers? <laughs> I don't think that's possible, but it, was a, it would be a good idea. Because he does not lose to the Tigers. And last but not least, because of the Elton John uh, field debacle in Cleveland, so they so their game was postponed. They have four against the first place Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, okay. Hey, stranger things have happened. 
but that show it's still possible. Yes, and that show did get extended for another season, so who knows? Uh, still possible. Uh, I think Stranger Things on Netflix has got a better chance of winning than the White Sox do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But yeah, it's over. I mean, it's over. I, yeah, it's it's hard to emotionally invest your expectations um, in this team, especially when you see teams like Tampa Bay, who's had just as many injuries significant injuries and they're still competing in the, the toughest division in all of baseball um and other teams have had other injuries too so i you know i don't want to put it all on the injuries i know that's a factor but something ain't right man and i'm with you it's, uh, it's leadership starts at the top and uh you know certain egos seem to be out front with a puffy chest when things seem to either be going well or it seems as though credit's going in a different direction and nothing is being actively done to address decisions that are being made on the field. Um, well, we may, we may have to wait for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It just—it's crazy because this is the most talented team in this division, hands down. Um, well, it's—it talent. I'm not saying they're a good team right now, but as far as talent goes, well, individually, it's—it's no, it's all based on 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 what? It's, we've seen the production. We prospects, though, have we? No. Yes, we saw it last year. No, I'm saying you go back to the last two seasons, we've seen this team grow. So it's not like we're just saying, oh, this guy played good in AAA or in AA, so he should be something. We've seen these guys pound out home runs. We've seen these guys put up like 27 home runs in one month. In this past month, they put up like, what, one, two? It's just crazy. They're not, they're not hitting for power, but the team is built for power, but they're not hitting for power. This team is leading the majors at one point. I think it may still be leading the majors in hits. But they can't score runs in singles. Hits. <laughs> you're, you're hit. You're, you're you're getting 11, 10, 12 hits a game, and you're scoring two runs. And you don't have to necessarily knock the ball at the park to score runs. It would help, but you're hitting singles. You're you're a power team that can't hit can, doubles. Can a team? Can a team hit? Can a team win just by hitting singles? Yeah, if you know how to advance the runner, you bunt. But these guys don't bunt. They don't hit to the opposite field to advance the run. They don't go from first to third. They make base running blunders. You know, they send the old slow guy around third base and he gets to home and he hurts himself trying to avoid a tag. He's on injured, injured list again. It's, it's like you're doing things counter to what the makeup of the team is. Whereas last year, you know, we're seeing Tim Anderson in the Field of Dreams game hit a game-winning home run against the Yankees. And we're not shocked by that because he's an all-star and he's playing like one. You know, we've seen him win a batting title a couple of years prior to that. We're seeing Abreu win the MVP, you know, back in 2020 during a shortened season. Abreu was like, like good for 20 home runs, 100 RBIs, like every season. He's not going to get 20 home runs this year. You know, he's not going to get 100 RBI. He's I hitting mean, 300, though. He, but he's hitting 300. 
you know, so, so I don't, is, is, is it the hitting coach? Is it the, the philosophy behind them? Is there something with how they're being, I don't want to say being taught, but how they're being managed in terms of scoring runs. I mean, we're, we're seeing a manager have a one, two count on a, on a player and then they walk them twice, twice. This has happened, you know, and, th- <laughs> and then you have to justify that. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, you know, take a wild chance that he might, I don't know, strike out, pop up, hit the double play. I mean, yeah, have, have you seen what he does when he's down yeah, one, no, two? Just, just he's a beast. Yeah, okay. You know, so it, it so yes, I, I don't think it's, we're, I don't think we're talking potential in terms of these guys. We haven't seen them do it. We've seen Eloy take over games. We've seen them bomb the ball. We, we've seen, We've seen uh, Robert hit a ball so far. We're still trying to figure out where the ball is. I mean, these guys are uber talented. And the pitching staff, the starting staff, all intents and purposes, especially once the insertion of Johnny Cueto, this pitching staff was, was one of the top starting pitching staffs in all of baseball. Can you imagine what this team would be without Johnny Cueto? This team would be someone else's podcast dilemma, not ours, because we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> We'd probably be in last place right now. Undoubtedly, we we'd be we fighting for Johnny Cueto, fighting the Royals for last place. That's, that's a shame. And think about it: if the Detroit Tigers, if all their pitchers weren't hurt, they might be a better team. You know, it, yeah, it they were. They were supposed to be pretty good this year. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to have the talent, you know, the offensive talent that we have to be underachieving to the degree that we've underachieved. And you know, even guys like Gavin Sheets have power. We've seen him win games, you know, last year. You know, he's was, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It, it really doesn't. So, it, I, you know, yes, the players are playing and, you know, yes, they've been injured, but they're still performing, but underperforming. You know, you, you're leading the majors or you're leading the American League in hits and singles. You, you, you're out hitting your opponents like almost every single game but you're not being efficient at all. It's the most inefficient use of talent I've seen baseball wise in quite some time. And the defense is awful too. At times the defense has definitely hurt them, but we've seen, but that's the other thing. It's like Tim, Tim was really good. You know, he's got great range. He hasn't played for a while, but he's made some, he started off the season playing, with a lot of air starting out, but we've seen Mikado on third base do some phenomenal things. We see a break. If you ask me, a Brave should be a gold glove first baseman, the way he picks the ball and the way he goes for all the foul balls and seems to always get them. But then we see the guys run into each other <laughs> you know? constantly, you know, constantly <laughs> no communication out there. We, we, we see guys, Mr. Cutoff guy, and we see guys, you know, at second base, not know where to throw them. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, it's like whose fault, whose fault is that when when you have that? Brandon. When you have what? When you have non-communication in the outfield, missing the cutoff man. Whose fault is that? Is it is it center on fielder? players? Is it on uh coaching staff? What who's at the at that level, it's on the players, man. It's on the players. Coaches not paying the coach. 60 plus million dollars or 80 million dollars like these players they're professionals at the end of the day they know how to play the game granted a coach is a manager supposed to you know be a leader of men and all that stuff 
So maybe you can put that on him that they not disciplined enough and focused. But but ultimately, man, these players know what it takes to to be great. But that's the issue with Major League Baseball in, in a nutshell. These guys are these guys are arrogant. They don't play the game the right way, honestly. Like that's why when you tell youth to watch baseball, you encourage them when college baseball is on, you encourage them to watch that, watch guys that's hungry to get to that next level. These guys have made it. Like they they hot dogging it all day long, not calling for balls in the outfield. That's that's wild. That that mean they're just taking the game for granted. That's interesting you said. Then that has to be like the only sport that that happens in, where you don't you don't tell your youth to watch that level, even though that's where you know you ultimately want to be. That's interesting. That's interesting. And then the uh, and then I, I don't want to forget about this the angle play at the end of the uh, oh, the Orioles wow. game. I don't know smoke you saw this. You you on you on vacation. <laughs> Top of the ninth. Sox lead 3-2 against the Orioles. All right. One out uh, already. No, two outs. It was two outs. Two outs. Two outs. All right. Uh Stowers hits a foul ball down the left field line. Catchable ball. Adam Angle, who is probably the White Sox best defensive player. Under it, the ball literally pops in his glove, <laughs> pops out. <laughs> All right. Guess what happened two pitches later? Walk off. Well, they tied. Well, no, the they were they were the they were the they were the away team. The Orioles. It was bottom. Excuse me, I said top of the night. It was it was bottom of the night. I'm sorry. Bottom of the night. Oh, bottom it was night. bottom of the night. Bottom of the night. Tied it up. Tied it up at three, and then the Orioles at one in the eleventh. Might I add, the guy that tied it up wasn't even hitting 150. Rookie. His batting, his batting average was like 138. I was that and I believe it was his first course. major league home run. I'm sure it, it was. was. On the, it was on the youth level that I saw that, but I saw that before. <laughs> yeah. That is a microcosm of this entire White Sox season. Yeah. Wow. Which is why I think it's over. It's over. Yeah. I tell you, they've gone from the White Sox to the White Sucks. <laughs> oh, man. I still love my team, though. Hey, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Easy Smoke and the GM podcast. Do you guys want to start picks next week or wait till the first week of the NFL season? Wait till the first week of the NFL. First week of the NFL season. We'll do that. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it. You can catch our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can also catch us at hp53productions.com. There you'll find a link to our podcast and the Father Good podcast hosted by Marshall Givens and Kenny Stevenson. They actually just posted a uh, new episode uh, yesterday uh, talking about their summer vacations. And uh, also, you can find a link to the Super Duper podcast hosted by Rob Griggs. Yo, Glenn. Yep. yep. Please take us out. Hey, it's like we always say. We ain't saying we're right. We just know we're not as wrong as the White Sox. Season's over. We'll see you next week. Mm.